Okay, so Jonah is one of the 12 uh, minor prophets that we're looking at, but it tends to be the most popular of the 12 prophets to read, okay? Why do you think that is? Okay, it's more like a story, okay? Uh, the other ones tend to be more prophetic pronouncements that are being uttered by, uh, by the um, prophet, although with Amos, remember, there was a little bit of a narrative there with regards to the priest at Bethel saying, get out of here, go back to, uh, go back to Judah where you're from. But we tend to like this because it's, it's written in a narrative form. It's written in a story form, and we understand that. We like that. It's kind of like the other historical books. You know, we like reading those things. When you get into prophetic pronouncements, sometimes that's a little way over our heads. We don't, we don't really gravitate towards that. So this tends to be one of the books that uh, people enjoy reading. In fact, movies are made about it, right? Could you see a uh, VeggieTale movie being made about Amos or Habakkuk or Joel? You know what I'm saying? Those are books that don't fit into a movie mold. Why? Because they're not written in a story form. So we're going to take it today. We're going to do it in two weeks. We're going to talk about chapter one and chapter two today. And I've kind of entitled this lesson Running from God because that's really what the focus is here with the first two chapters is Jonah running from God. Now, how we're going to approach this is, is we're going to go through each one of these sections, and I'll read to you as we go along from Jonah, and hopefully we'll have some good discussion and help you to understand what's going on here, okay? So first thing I want you to notice is there's an attempt to run. And uh, you say, well, I thought he did run. Well, no, he attempted to run, Okay. He, you're going to find he didn't get where he wanted to go, okay? So there's an attempt. We're going to find that in verses 1 to 17. So look with me at uh, chapter 1. We're going to take this kind of as we go along. So verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come before me. Okay, so first thing I want you to notice here is the word of the Lord came to Jonah telling him to go to Nineveh. Now, you might be saying, oh, how did God exactly tell him? Well, it's, it's not that easy. It's, the fact is the word came to him. It could have been through a vision. It could have been through a dream. It could have been directly talking to him. Chances are it was probably in a vision or a dream or something because you remember God at one time told someone else, I talked to Moses directly. Do you know what I'm saying? With others, I talked to them through dreams or visions. And so with the prophet, we're not sure exactly how God spoke to him. We just know that God spoke to him. The word of the Lord came to him and he knew it was the word of the Lord. Okay? Jonah knew it was the word of the Lord. And basically, Jonah is being told to go to Nineveh. Now, the problem is, is Nineveh is the enemy of the northern kingdom. Assyria is the enemy. And so, 
It's not going to be that easy, is it, when you're being told to go somewhere you don't really want to go, right? Now, what is he supposed to do there? Well, Jonah was to prophesy against the city because the wickedness, their wickedness was known to him. So God says, you know, their, 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 their sins have come up to me, is what it says. Come up before me. Meaning he's, he's been, brought, it's been brought to attention the wickedness of Nineveh. Well, what does that mean? God's not aware of the stuff that's going around in our world? No, no, that's not it. God's aware of everything. He knows everything that happens. It's just that there's a point where it maybe was bad enough now that he needed to do something. What do you mean? Well, there's other portions of Scripture in the Old Testament that talk about that God, the sin of the, sin of the Amorites are not complete yet. Why didn't God just wipe out the Amorites? Well, their sins are not complete, meaning they haven't reached that point yet. Well, you could say that possibly Nineveh was getting close to that point. And so God sends a prophet there, Jonah. And he's supposed to tell them, hey, God's aware of your stuff. He's aware of your wickedness. And it's come up before him. Now, here's how Jonah responds. Okay? This is not the typical response that you would get from a prophet saying, Okay, Lord, I'll go do it. Here's what it says. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Okay, now let me explain to you, Tarshish, where is that? I, if you were to look that up today, nobody knows exactly where Tarshish is. There are two possible locations, okay? The one possible location is in the Mediterranean Sea, just... West of Italy is the island of Sardinia, okay? So they think that that is where Tarshish is, all right? The other place that a lot of scholars will say is, is that Tarshish is in what, was, what is known today as Spain, okay? On the Mediterranean coast of Spain. So wherever it is, it's the farthest part from their known world. Their known world would be what? The Mediterranean. And so he's getting a ship to the farthest part of where things are coming from. All right? Because that's the farthest you would go is Tarshish. So he's deciding to flee there. Okay? So let me explain to you what we're going to see here. First of all, Jonah arose and decided to flee from the presence of the Lord to Tarshish. Okay, now, when he says from the presence of the Lord, what do you think that means? Okay, Bruce says Spirit of God. Anybody else? What do you think that means? Okay, that, that's a good point, but, all right, that's a good point, uh, Tim. So, but what does it mean to flee from the presence of the Lord? What does he mean by the presence of the Lord? 
He's saying that Bruce is saying the Spirit of God. What else do you think it means? Okay, Gene. Well, it's not so much his belief system. Okay, let me help you a little bit. Where was the presence of the Lord? Period. Where was it? Anybody know? Well, technically everywhere, but specifically with who? Yeah, with Israel. And in particular, the temple. Okay? So when he's saying he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord, he's, he's basically saying he's fleeing from God who is the God of Israel. And I'm fleeing from Israel. I'm getting out of Dodge, so to speak. Do you understand? You know, it, I'm getting out of the, where God's presence is. Well, the fact is you can't really get away from God, okay? So, but in his mind, he's thinking, I'm fleeing from Israel. And that's where he's headed. He's headed to Tarshish, which would be, in their thinking, the farthest point from, you know what I'm saying, you got to get there by a ship, wherever that is. Lori. Yes, now we talked about that. Yes, we did talk about that last week. Jonah is mentioned in one of the historical narratives in Kings, prophesying concerning the military victories. He's mentioned by name, prophesying the military victories of Jeroboam II in the northern kingdom. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he is mentioned in the historical narratives by, by name as a prophet of the Lord. Okay? So, yeah, he's a prophet. Does that help you? I think if you thought about it for a moment, like, honestly think about it. In, in the Jewish mindset, who, who was going to make it? Who, who was going to make it with God? Just the Jews. And everybody else, what was their lot in life? Yeah, they, in fact, it's written in some of the ancient manuscripts that they view Gentiles as the firewood of hell. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, you're just a piece of kindling for stoking the fires of hell. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? So, so in their mind, the only chosen people were who? Israel. So to be told as a prophet of the Lord to the people of Israel... I want you to go to Nineveh. The, mili the dominant military power of the time. And I want you to prophesy to them and tell them, I'm, I'm getting ready to do something because their wickedness have come up before me. Did you understand? Because he'll explain later, I knew you would do this. Jonah will say later, I knew you would do this, Lord. You know what I'm saying? I knew you would relent and let them live. Because he wants them wiped out. Do you understand? I mean, he wants them to be done away with. And so when God tells him to do something that he's totally opposed to, he's what? He's out of there. Now, can we relate to him? 
Yeah, that, that's very possible, but we sometimes think that way too. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, God knows, because God's there with you if you're a believer. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good point, Bruce. Anybody else? Can, can you relate to him? I think today especially, can, can I be honest? Let's bring it to modern day today, okay? I think today we get really confused with God because he doesn't do things the way we think he should do them in our world. You, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, we think he should be doing this. But he doesn't necessarily do those things like that. And so some people struggle with that. Whether it's on a, a political issue, a governmental issue, a community issue, even a personal issue. We think, God, you should be doing it this way. way. And when he doesn't do that, we get irritated. So think for a moment. Let's go over to the New Testament. And, and it's in the Gospels. John the Baptist is in prison. He's hearing all these great things that Jesus is doing. So he sends two of his disciples to go ask Jesus the question, are you the one or should we be looking for someone else? Now think about this. This is John who said, behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins. This is the forerunner. He knew what his role was. He's at the point now where, what's going on with John? He's sitting in a dungeon facing death. And he's like, if, you're, if it's you, Jesus, why, why am I here? Why is this going on? And so Jesus responds with three passages from Isaiah. You know, see what's going on here. The lame walk, the blind see. You know, and, but one of the passages he quotes, quotes he, Jesus leaves off a part of it. What part does he leave off? That the Messiah will set the prisoners free. He said, go back and tell John what you see. And then he says the most interesting statement. At first, I, I always wondered, why is that statement there? But then when you grasp what's going on, what he's saying to John when he leaves off that part of the verse, he, say, he says, blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Jesus is saying, blessed is he who's not offended because of me. And, and, and the point is, John, you're going to die there. I'm the one. But blessed are you if you're not offended because of me, because maybe my plan is something different. Do you, you know what I'm saying? I've had that conversation with numerous people. Like, for instance, let's talk about elections for a moment. This is about as political as I get. People get all whacked out when their candidate does not get elected. So then I ask them, what if God's plan is different than your plan? Are you okay with that? And they always pause because they never thought that way. It's possible God's plan, because wait a minute, let's, let's remind ourselves, what's God's ultimate plan? Who coming back? So the Lord is guiding everything in history to that point, right? Would his plan be different than yours? Yes, and ultimately to the return of his son, yes. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so the the point is, sometimes God does things and asks of us things that we don't want to do, and, and sometimes we react. I think when we look at Jonah, he didn't really want to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? He he had no desire to do that. We can't really be hard on him because we act the same way. You know? Do you know what I'm saying? You know, we act the same way. We just don't want to do it. And so he, he arose and decided to flee from the presence. So he went to Joppa, which is a seaport in Israel, where he found a ship headed to Tarshish, and he paid the fare. So he found a ship, paid the fare to become a passenger. He's going to Tarshish, okay? And that's all that's known there. So look with me now. What happens, though? Okay, can you really run from God? I mean, this is the point. Can you really run from God? No. Look at what happens in verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? <laughs> Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots. And that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. Okay? So here's what's happening here now. So he's on this ship. The Lord sent a great storm upon the sea, and the ship was about to be broken up. Now, I understand in the Mediterranean this is not unusual for storms to just appear. And great storms. We know that from Paul's life. When you read through the epistles, how many times we read from the book of Acts? He says he's been in the deep several times, meaning he was shipwrecked several times. Do you know what I'm saying? So this is not unusual, but God brought up a big storm, okay? And they were about, the ship was about to be broken up. And you say, how's that possible? They're wooden. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're made from wood. This is not a steel ship, okay? So, the fearful sailors cried out to their gods and threw their cargo into the sea. So probably they're loaded down with cargo, so they're, they're in the water deep. And so what they decide to do is, okay, we got to ride this thing out, so the best thing to do is throw out over, throw out the, uh, throw out the uh, inventory that we have on here, the cargo, okay? And, and guess what? They're probably from different areas of the world to have their own gods and they're praying to their gods to quote save them so Jonah was located in the lowest part of the ship where he was fast asleep what does he do now this is all going on and it's not like he slept and the storm came up it's like when the storm came up he went downstairs and took a nap is he bothered by this 
Now, I, can I tell you if that happened to me? I can already tell you what would happen to me. I'd be leaning over the side of the ship heaving. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because I don't have sea legs. I was just talking about this with my family this weekend. About one time my father-in-law paid for his crew and he invited me to go fishing in the Atlantic off of uh, somewhere off of New Jersey for Atlantic Blues or whatever. And I got on that ship. I spent the entire time on that ship laying on a bench on the top of the ship waiting for morning to come when they would come back in. I never fished at all. I was so sick. Do you know what I'm saying? But what does Jonah do? Storms tossing it about. The thing's about to break up. He goes down and sleeps. Wow, what's going on with him? So Jonah was awakened by the captain to cry out to his God. The captain doesn't know who his God is. He doesn't know anything about him. He just says, cry out to your God. Now, that would be a, a, a normal thing to say because people, many different cultures, they would have their own what? They're, they're all polytheistic. They would have their own gods. Okay? So they cast lots to reveal the source of the problem, and the lot fell on Jonah. So when we talk about lots, people think, oh, they cast dice. Now, sometimes they had different things, bones with twigs or something, and they had some way of knowing. Thankfully, we don't do that anymore, right? Okay? And uh, so they, the lot fell on Jonah. So that brings us to the next part. Look with me at verse 8 through 16. Look at what happens now. Then they said to him, please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So they're like, who are you? Where are you from? They're like trying to figure this out. What's your job? What's, what's the reason? Okay. And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Okay? Verse 11, they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? And the sea was growing more temptuous. I mean, the storm's getting worse. Okay? And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, for they could not, and the sea continued to grow more temptuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it is, as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered sacrifices to the Lord and took vows. All right, so let's talk about what's going on here. So first thing, Jonah was questioned concerning who he was and why the crisis was happening. So, of course, if the lot falls on you, what's going on here? Why is this happening? Okay? 
And here's what he says. He reveals that he was a Hebrew and that he feared the Lord, the God of heaven, who is what? The master over the earth and the seas. So notice he's not saying exactly what he's done. He just says, I'm a Hebrew. Like that should be enough. I worship the Lord, the creator, the God of heaven. And they didn't need to ask anything more because they already knew why he was there. What? When they heard this, the men were afraid because they knew that Jonah was fleeing. Now, when he said he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, that's why I think he's talking about fleeing from Israel here, from the Lord's presence in Israel. Because he maybe said that, I'm, I'm, I'm heading out, getting away from Israel. That's maybe all he said to them. Okay? So they knew he's running from God then. Now it's clear he's running from God. He's a Hebrew running from God. So they asked Jonah what they should do because they wanted the seas to become calm. So it's like, well, what do we do then? How do we, how do we get control of this situation? How do we stop this? Now, can I be honest with you? Today, we wouldn't even ask questions like that. We wouldn't. Why? Because we are so scientifically oriented. You know, so like yesterday we were going to have, we, we gathered down at Lori's in-law's farm and my in-law's farm, Lori's parents' farm, and we were going to have a, uh, we are going to have a campfire there because our son Foster is here from Texas and we were going to have a family time together with a fire and everything. And do you think we had a fire? No. Why? One storm after another, the scattered rain. And so I said to my mother-in-law, she said, what can I do to help? I said, can you control the weather? We would never, you know what I'm saying? That, and then she just laughed because she knew I was saying, no, there's nothing for you to do. You know what I'm saying? So the, the point is, we have no control over things. We would never even talk like, oh, there's bad things happening. What can we do, Rob, to get this situation under control? We wouldn't, that's not what we would do. They do do that. Why? It's their worldview. God is doing this. So what do we need to do to get God to stop doing this? Because obviously God's doing this. So you, prophet, you know what we need to do. And so he tells them. I think it's amazing what he says to them. Throw me in the sea. He instructed them to throw him into the sea, but they tried to row back the land. See, they're not willing to do that. Do you understand? They know if they throw him into the sea, what happens to him? Yeah, he drowns. They don't want that on their conscience. They, they, in fact, they talk, even when they pray, God, forgive us of innocent blood. They, they don't want to be the ones to kill him. And so guess what they try to do then? Well, we're just going to head back to shore. Well, that's not going good because the storm gets fierce. Okay, the storm gets fierce. So the storm grew more extreme and they cried out to God for forgiveness. This is interesting to me. They cried out to his God because they know it's his God who's bringing the storm. And they're saying, Lord, we don't want to be held accountable for this man's death doing this. They, they are crying out to God for forgiveness. Okay, but guess what they do? They threw Jonah into the sea, and the seas became calm. Now, that would be freaky, wouldn't it? You know what I'm saying? You got this 
huge whatever happening. It's getting worse as time goes on. And then you do what the guy says. You throw him into the sea. Maybe watch him disappear under the waves. And then everything boop, becomes calm. That would be wild, wouldn't it? So how do they respond? The sailors became fearful of the Lord. You better believe it, you would. Yeah. <laughs> Natural reaction, right? And what? Offered sacrifices to him and made vows. So there they saw the power of God. Now, what happens next after this is, is interesting to me, and it's been the topic of a lot of discussion, scholarly, and that is verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and he remained there three days and three nights. Now what do you mean there's scholarly discussion? Well, they're trying to figure out what kind of fish would do this. Was it a largemouth bass? No. You know it's not that. What's big enough to swallow somebody? Well, it's a whale. What well, it says fish, though. Yeah, but remember now, we classify things in terms of mammals and fish, right? They didn't back then. So it was a great fish. Whether it breathes air normally or through its gills like other fish. The point is, it's a great fish. He was swallowed by a whale. It's the only animal that we know of that could do that. Yes, he prepared him. He had him there. Yep. Yes, okay. I understand. The point is, is God intervened and... Yeah, because maybe the whale wouldn't normally swallow a man. Or it would spit it right back out if he did or whatever. Yes. The point is that God prepared That's exactly right, Bruce. So God prepared him to have something that would be not normal in his belly for three days. I don't think you'd live for three days if you got swallowed by even a whale. Yeah, because they'd have to have air. Well, that and the juices from the stomach would start to dissolve. Yeah, yeah, that... Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. At least work on your skin a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. So, yeah, so that brings us now to chapter 2. So he's swallowed by a whale. Now that is, let's just be honest, that's miraculous, right? Well, it doesn't sound miraculous. I don't want to be inside the belly of a fish. That's not the point. And that's not the point that uh, Jonah is going to make here in chapter 2. So look with me what he prays in verses 1 to 10. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and he heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. And the deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. 
I went down to the moorings of the mountains and the earth with its bars close behind me forever. Yet you have brought me up, you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered you, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Now, is anybody struck by anything about this prayer? What doesn't he do in this prayer? Okay, he's praising him. That's good. It is a praise. But he's not doing something that I think I would be like the first thing coming out of my mouth. Uh, yeah, that's true too, but it's still not the first thing that would come out of my mouth. Uh, okay, that's good too, Tim, but that's not what I would be asking God. Okay, he's not asking for help. The first thing out of my mouth is, get me out of here. You know what I'm saying? It's, he's not asking for God to get him out of the belly of this whale. I mean, that's just a natural reaction, okay? But rather, what you have here is a prayer of thanksgiving. He does acknowledge some things about what God has done. And so let's go through this. Some of you are like, what are you talking about, George? Well, let's take a look here. We'll take, go through the prayer together. First thing I want you to notice is Jonah prayed to God from the belly of the great fish. So he's in this belly of the great fish and he's praying, okay? He states that he cried out to God because of his affliction and the Lord answered him. Now isn't that interesting? What affliction is he talking about here? Huh? Nope, so that's, not, that's not the affliction. Well, he didn't do what the Lord, but he's, he's, he, there's another affliction he's talking about here. No, because he describes it here. The affliction is being cast into the sea. It's being cast into the sea. What do you mean? Because he goes on in the passage, look at what he says there. For you, who? God, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me, and all your billows and your waves passed over me. And I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I looked again towards your holy temple. The water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I mean, he's getting down pretty deep, right? And I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you brought me up. You brought my life from the pit, O Lord my God. He is praising God here, thanking God, crying out to God because of the affliction. That is, he's dying, he's drowning. And what? God saved him. So Jonah acknowledges that the Lord cast him into the sea and he was drowning. Okay? He was drowning. 
And even as he recognizes that he was cast out, he looks to God for his salvation. Because look at what he says there. Verse 4, then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. So he knows he's suffering because of his sin. But what does he do? He looks to who in faith? He looks to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? He looks to God, even though he knows that what he's going through. Look, the reason why he's going through this is because he ran from God, okay? His sin. And so now he's going through this, and who does he cry out to? The Lord. He still looks with faith to the Lord. So he proclaims that the Lord brought up his life from the pit of death. Okay? From the belly of Sheol. Sheol is the grave. Okay? It means from death. So Jonah proclaims that those who look to false idols forsake their own mercy. Now what do you think he means by that? If you're looking to a false idol, okay, so this is, I think, verse 8 or 9, he says that. Let me look here. Verse 8, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. What, is, what does he mean by that? Okay, so if I'm going after my worthless idols, whatever that might be, I'm forsaking mercy from God. I'm forsaking any possibility of hope, right, is what he's saying here. Because I'm pursuing something that makes, I think will give me hope, but doesn't. I'm pursuing something that I think will provide me with some sort of salvation, but it doesn't. So he's saying, if you're pursuing worthless idols, you are forsaking what? Mercy, okay? You're forsaking mercy. And so because of salvation, Jonah will give thanks to the Lord. Now, I think it's interesting here because he describes the giving of thanks as a sacrifice. Look at what he says there. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That's in verse 9. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Why do you think giving thanks, he would say it's like a sacrifice? Why do you think that is? Yes, that's our prayers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he's yeah. So when I sacrifice something, I'm giving up something that belongs to me, an animal, or whatever. And I'm giving it to the Lord as a sacrifice. Here he's saying my thanksgiving, I, it's mine. I, I'm sacrificing my words to give it to you. And what am I doing? I'm thanking you. You know what I'm saying? So do you guys find it hard to give thanks? Is it saying thank you hard? Yeah, okay, that's not natural. So it's, it's a sacrifice. That's what I'm trying to help you to see here. All right, so fun. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and when you're sitting in the belly of a whale, it'd be even harder to give a sacrifice, right? But here's what, it, look at verse 10. That's where we're going to stop. So the Lord spoke to the fish and he vomited, that's what the word means, vomited Jonah unto dry land. Okay? 
So God prepared this fish wherever they were in the Mediterranean Sea, swallowed him. Three days and three nights, he takes him where? Back to the coast area of, of Israel. And what? Belches him out unto the, you know, vomits him up, you know, whatever you want to call it. So the Lord spoke to the great fish and it vomited Jonah onto the shore. So that is the midsection of the prophecy. So next week we're going to get into three and four, Nineveh.